I'm Steve Shapiro, and this is Experience Matters. Welcome to Experience Matters, the podcast that explores the life-changing childhood experiences that go on to shape our adult identities. Sometimes we experience breakthrough learning in schools, but often our most profound learning happens outside the classroom, sometimes outside the school environment altogether. We'll explore those powerful learning experiences here and think about the implications for how we can reshape American schools. Education can take many forms, but whatever form it takes, experience matters. Brian Drury is the president of Bexley Minority Parent Alliance, and he serves on several other local boards. He is a constant presence in the community, serving as a mentor to many local youth, supporting youth athletic programs, and informally connecting countless community members who share areas of interest. When you meet Brian, he seems like such a natural. He connects with people easily and instantly makes you feel comfortable. When I first met him, I assumed he had a natural gift. I was surprised to learn that as a kid, he was actually shy and uncertain. I discovered that his interpersonal talents, rather than being inborn, were actually carefully cultivated and developed by educators and neighbors during his high school years. By giving young Brian opportunities to engage with adults in increasingly high-stakes environments, they were enabling him to develop the skills and perhaps most importantly, the confidence to navigate the world in what appears to be such an effortless way. My conversation with Brian leaves me wondering about how we as educators, mentors, parents, community members can expand opportunities for young people to participate directly in the adult world, to break through the awkward uncomfortableness of engaging with strangers, to learn to navigate the world with independence and confidence. Brian learned these things as a teenager, and he is constantly trying to instill them in young people in our community. Here's his story. Brian Drury, welcome to Experience Matters. Hey, thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it and appreciate you inviting me today. I'd like to tease you as being the, the unofficial mayor of Bexley. You got your hand <laughs> in so many different things. Tell us about some of the things that you're involved in, some of the groups and organizations you have affiliations with. Well, thank you. Currently, I'm the president of the Bexley Minority Parent Alliance. Um, I also sit on the Bexley Historical Society as a trustee and also uh, as a, a trustee as far as the South Bexley Neighborhood Association. Yeah, and, and in addition to those formal affiliations, you seem like you always have your hand informally in connecting with folks and being a part of like a lot of conversations. Yeah, again, one of the things I really like to do is just meet people and understand people from there. Like, what, what makes them tick? And, you know, you start talking to people and getting their interests and, and trying to find what's that commonality. And, and again, it might not be something with me, but it might be something with somebody else or a neighbor or a friend and, and saying, hey, you know, I really like arts. And, uh, well, I'm going to connect you with somebody I know in arts. And, and you know, having that connection and, and getting people to synergize. And really, you know, make some difference in their space, even though maybe that's not something that I'm really a part of. And the fact that you're so comfortable and that you engage with people so easily and that you move between crowds so comfortably, that's one of the things that's always struck me about you. And I think that's part of what I wanted to learn when we first started this conversation is like, have you always been this guy? Have you always had this magnetic personality, this ability to connect with people? And I was surprised to find that that wasn't who you were as a young person. No, not at all. I mean, you know, again, my, my self-confidence wasn't there. You know, um, I was a little bit of a smaller kid and, you know, you just, you were like, okay, kind of follow the crowd a little bit and, you know, just didn't really have that confidence and, and to do that. And So when you were in, say, middle school or ninth grade or 10th grade, like what kind of kid were you? You know, I was just kind of a very quiet kid. You know, I was put my head down, did my work, um, you know, just kind of really observed people. And I think that was, you know, kind of one of the triggers of like, you know, getting to know people. Sure. And tell us about where you went to school. 
I grew up in Lima, Ohio, and um, I went to uh, Lima Public Junior High, and then I went to Lima Central Catholic. Tried out for a few sports, uh, made basketball team my junior year, and kind of got a little bit of confidence there. And then somebody's like, hey, you should run for student council because, you know, people kind of like you. I'm like, really? I'm like, I don't know if people even know me. And surprisingly, I, I won student body president uh, with, with my friend Kelly. And uh, next thing you know is this younger kids will look up to you. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I have to be somewhat of a role model. Yeah. So like here I am, I'm the class president. <laughs> I went from this kind of shy-ish kid, right, right. I'm class president. What kind of things did you have to do as class president? Well, you know, we had our principals, a father, her, just great man. And so he would like, hey, we're going to go over to another school and, you know, just talk with people. I'm like, okay. And, and I think the first event that I had was we have our annual like uh, festival. So he would like, hey, come over here, talk to these people and, you know, tell them about what we're doing at, at uh, Lima Central Catholic. He was really training you to be a leader by putting you in a position where you're around other adults and saying, hey, hey, Brian, why don't you tell them about this? Hey, Brian, why don't you do this? And kind of like forcing you out there, forcing you out onto the ledge. Yeah, he definitely forced me out onto the ledge and get me a comfortable space because he knew these people, but also saying, hey, you know, you got to use your voice and, you know, talk about things. And so, you know, so that confidence all of a sudden that, that kind of really grows on you. And, and you're like, okay, I can do this. I can talk with people who I really don't even have you know, much of a, a connection with. It taught me, it's like, okay, find something that you have commonality with the person. So you're kind of building this skill set of how to navigate these adult conversations. Yeah. And again, part of it goes back to not necessarily me talking, but finding what you want to talk about. There's a guy I, I used to work with and he loved fly fishing, right? I've never been fly fishing in my life. His eyes would light up when we talk about that. And he'd be like, hey, Brian, you know, sometimes when I go there and I'm like, eh, that's not really my bag. But, but I see that you're excited about that. So I'm going to at least, you know, make that connection with you. That's really interesting. <laughs> One of the things that you learned is that people, people love a conversation if they have space to talk about what they care about. And it, that's one of the ways you learn to be great in conversation with adults is by figuring out what they like and asking them about it. Yeah. And again, it, it gave me that confidence that I don't have to carry a conversation on something maybe I don't know about or maybe don't care or maybe I just really don't have a connection with the person, but getting them to talk about something that they love. It allows me to have conversations where probably normally I would, it would be like very short. So it's interesting because you're in school, you're taking your classes and the classes are important. You're learning right. about things. But in some ways, this was part of the hidden curriculum of your high school education was this, these opportunities to engage with adults and interact. It was almost like some of the skills you were learning in these things were really important skills outside of the classroom. Yeah, I, I think these are definitely the skill set. And again, this really comes into play where um, my neighbor hires me for like one of my jobs. And so he um, runs a black tapping company. And I didn't know this, but he would get sometimes these big jobs. And basically, he would hire temporary workers. So one night, we're working and he said, hey, you know, I don't feel well. You know, I want you to take over, right? So I'm 17 years old at that time. And I'm like, okay. He's like, just make certain everybody works. We got to get this done by this time in the morning. I'll come back around. So I'm like, great. So I'll go back to work. And all of a sudden we took a break and uh, the guys are like, yeah, we're not doing this. Like, uh, we're going to take some time off. I'm like, you know, we got to go back to work. And uh, they're like, no, we're not. So I just said, hey, if we don't work, you can be let go right now. And I said, you're 17 years old. Do you think what power do I have? Or were you just like, I'm just saying this and we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm just saying this to see what happens. Right. <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I get these people back to work? My boss just gave me an assignment. My, it's my neighbor is a good friend. And, and next thing you know, some guys are like, well, I don't care. I'm quit. And everybody else was like, okay. And I said, well, here's the deal. I said, we're gonna take their money that we're just going to pay these guys. And we're going to give you extra money. Again, 
I have no authority on this. I have nothing that I'm supposed to do. <laughs> You're just taking a shot. I'm just taking a shot. And uh, a couple guys are like, okay, I, I guess I need some money. And, you know, this is some temporary work. And so, um, so next morning comes. And so I talked to my boss. I said, hey, just let you know, I made a decision since you put me in charge. And uh, you got to pay these guys extra amount of money. And I fired some people. And he's like, what? Why'd you do that? I said, <laughs> right. well, you, you put me in charge and I made a decision. Uh, I don't know if it was the right one or wrong one, but I had to make a decision as a leader. And, um, and he was like, like, well, that was a pretty good decision, but I probably won't leave you in charge anymore. But it was that concept that all of a sudden I was like, yeah, you know, I, I have leadership qualities and, and, you know, making decisions. And, and on top of that, I stood beside that decision and I was comfortable. And I was like, hey, if my neighbor fires me, great. You know, I'll go work at McDonald's or Burger King or something. And <laughs> yeah, right. You know. have to find something else. But it's really interesting. So you're, you're out there representing the school. You're at fundraisers. You're meeting people from other schools. Now you're working for your neighbor and you're working with adult employees that you're in charge of. So I, I'm thinking about how this must have been transformational for you as a young person. You're, you go from being this kind of shy, uncertain kid to being, probably by the time you graduated high school, somebody who had an immense skill set in terms of engaging with adults and a whole deeper level of confidence that you probably couldn't have imagined. Yeah, that kind of carries me to college and, you know, kind of carries me in, you know, into the adult world where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I feel comfortable. It's not uncommon for kids to be really uncomfortable with adults. A couple of weeks ago, one of my buddies dropped his daughter off. Now she's in middle school, dropped her off at, to get her hair cut. Right. And she was really uncomfortable because she's like, I'm going to have to pay by myself. And he's like, you just go up to the counter and pay. She's like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't want to do that. And I was thinking, that's where a lot of kids are. Even something as basic as I'm just going to go pay for my haircut can feel awkward or uncomfortable. And this is a space that a lot of kids exist in if they don't have a lot of opportunities like you had. Yeah. And I think one of the things that happens is like, kids are getting uncomfortable because, you know, what's this adult going to say? And, and how would I respond back to them? And, and you know, th there's always that nervousness because you're like, I don't want to be uh, embarrassed. I don't want to be look foolish, right? you know, in, in right. a situation. And so, you know, you, you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I manage this? And, and so... So if you think about it, where do kids get these experiences? And, and there's probably a range. I mean, every kid has the opportunity to interact with the adults who are their teachers in their lives. Right. And uh, hopefully every kid knows that those teachers care about the kids. And so they have kind of a practice space to work with adults because this is a caring adult. Some kids may get jobs and may be put in that situation or coaches on teams where you have to interact. Uh, but still, those are, are a certain kind of safe space for practicing with adults. But what you were talking about kind of took you beyond that. Now I'm working with alumni or working with people I don't know, people who I'm not seeing every day in a safe space. What would you say to educators about why it's important that we continue to create opportunities for kids to have these adult interactions that may seem uncomfortable? I think the thing that once you do that, I think that the key is, is that it, it's not right there and then in high school, but it's down the road. And if you can get them to do that there, they're going to be so much better. Right. If you develop the ability to engage with adults and to have confidence in your ideas, you don't fall back or wither the minute you reach some resistance. And I think you're really right that when you see kids develop that confidence as they start talking to adults and suddenly you realize they don't need you anymore. They've got this thing. That's a very powerful, very exciting moment when you see I helped this kid develop the confidence to get out there and to work in this adult world. And now they don't need me anymore. They can take this thing. Right, right. And I think that's where you go. My job is really done. My work is done here. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and again, it builds on top of that, you know, a little personal, it builds on your legacy from there that, you know, I, I did my small part to make this kid better. That, that gets me excited. 
And so I'm thinking a lot about how do we get kids more of those experiences? Because the teacher work is kind of training wheels. It's like, okay, I can talk to an adult who is there to talk to me, who's prepared for me and supportive. But how do we then take that as kids get older into giving them opportunities to engage with other adults that's a little more challenging and it builds the confidence more than just talking to a teacher or a coach? Yes, and I think that's it's always a, it's an interesting challenge. And I think one of the things is, you know, having some type of, you know, exponential learning, you know, getting them out into the community. I think one of the things that even expanded my confidence as a young adult was, uh, okay, I'm going to sit on a board, right? And so I'm going to, you know, work with community leaders and, and kind of go, okay, how do they do that? And kind of watch and, and learn some aspects of that. And I think, obviously, mentorship is, is a big key of, you know, somebody who's not maybe your parents, Your comment about sitting on boards is really important. When I first started my job in Bexley as coordinator of experiential learning, I was looking for every opportunity for kids to participate in community boards. If the city is making up a a board to do this, there should be kids on it. If the library is doing something, why don't you have kids on that? If the school is doing interviews of a candidate, why don't we have kids on that? And I think part of my thinking was the more times we can get kids into these adult spaces... And not just one kid on a board. It can't be just one kid because then they're like the kid. Right. It has to be a few. Right. So that they're part of the board and they have others that are there. But I think getting kids into those kind of things is really important because a kid suddenly is like in the adult world, engaging with adults. Maybe at the beginning they feel like, I'm just kind of watching. But the more they're involved, they may say, I have something to say. And then they'll say it and people are interested in what kids have to say. And those are huge growth learning experiences for kids. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, you know, I definitely have seen is kind of like the, the, the kids with the Bexiana Racist Project, and, and they came out, and they were like, you know, I think at one time they are kind of a little bit nervous about talking to me, and then you could just see that growth of like, you know, they're taking over, and they're being in charge, and, and just... And eventually sudden, you see them on this stage in front of a thousand people making these powerful speeches, and you're like, wow, and these kids are like killing it. Yeah, and, and again, you know, kids that, you know, I've seen like, or, you know, a couple of them, you know, I think of one person in particular, you know, very shy and all of a sudden, you know, up there delivering powerful speeches, um, you know, something that I'm like, I don't even know if I would be able to do in front of three, 4,000 people. So it's interesting as class president, you got a lot of opportunities, you were a leader. And one of the things that I'm thinking a lot about is how do we make sure all kids get those kind of opportunities? Because we do probably a great job of getting our top kids, our leader kids, our special kids, these opportunities to interact in the adult world. But then there's so many kids who are behind the scenes and quiet. And this seems like a big challenge for us, really important challenge. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think that's one of those things where it's a difficult situation because sometimes those kids are like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this. But, you know, trying to figure out, okay, can we not use the same kids time and time again? And, you know, or is there some other way where we can really, um, you know, that quiet kid or or the kid who, you know, maybe is even acting up a little bit because, you know, they need a little more attention and saying, hey, by the way, can you do this? Or maybe even saying, hey, can you go down and, and do some reading? Um, you know, to some elementary kids. And again, you know, that all of a sudden they had that responsibility. And, and one of the things I, I know that we just kind of started from there was a mentorship program through uh, BNPA, which uh, you've been a part of, and thank you for your work of, you know, having those older adult kids, you know, talk with the younger kids. And, you know, the, the, I was talking with somebody's parent and they were just like, my kid is so excited. And they were like, they were kind of getting bummed because they were like, am I going to have the relationship over the summer? I want to do all these things. And, and one of the kids was, you know, a kid who maybe, you know, normally we wouldn't go ask to do that. And so, and, and that kid's like, okay, you know, I've got important responsibility because this kid's really looking up to me. And so little things like that, I think, you know, where we get more kids involved and more opportunities 
that all of a sudden you'll see this kid, you know, spark up. And, you know, maybe on top of that, they're like, hey, I'm going to be a little more engaged in school. Right. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is a really big challenge because if we don't institutionalize opportunities for kids to connect with adults, we end up falling into that pattern of the particular kids keep getting called on at the same time as opposed to making sure every kid gets access to these kinds of experiences. Right, right. So it becomes a little bit of self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, oh, well, they're the natural leaders. They're the natural people. Well, like, again, because they've had so many opportunities, it, it's going to happen, you know, just naturally. But if you don't, you know, look at some of those kids that you're saying, you know, kind of how can we look at them and, and try to figure out what, what's making them tick? And, you know, is there something we can do to, you know, really engage them? You know, and I think as, as, as teachers and educators and parents, community members, you know, you really miss the boat on everybody and trying to make it certain that every kid has an opportunity like I did. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes me think about a couple of episodes that I did in my interview with Eric Acton, for example, right. who was a shy, uncomfortable kid. And he got pushed out to do, to do a leadership role while he was working as a janitor at COSI. And it, it shaped his life. Or Chad Hemmelgarn mm-hmm. is another one who was kind of the kid who acted up and the teacher gave him some responsibility and all of a sudden he took to it. And I th- So I think your point is a really good one, which is that we need to create these kind of adult-like opportunities, not just for the kids who we think can handle them, but for some of the kids who we think can't so that they can develop the ability to. I remember one kid that he came to town his senior year, didn't want to be there. It was kind of a little troublemaker, you know, at that point, right? Um, but fast forward from there, like, I didn't know because my friend said, hey, he's a doctor now. I'm like, what? He had somebody in college I found out that was like, you're really smart. You're really brilliant. And, you know, gave him that guidance that changed the trajectory of his life. But also I started looking at their probably, you know, generational life. One of the things I think about too is, are there other ways we can engage kids with adults? So most of what happens in school, by the time kids get up to high school where they're probably ready to do some of this kind of stuff, most of our assessment practice and most of our learning practice is contained within the classroom. Right. Uh, most of the interaction that a kid's going to have is going to be with that, the adult is going to be the teacher. But I, I think there are some opportunities maybe for us to think about, for example, can kids share their work with another adult? If a kid's learning about something, can they present it to somebody who's not their teacher, some other adult? Or as a kid's learning, can a kid link up with a consultant who's some other adult? So instead of doing research on the internet or reading a textbook, can I interview a professional in a field that I'm studying? Or can I go to an event and meet with somebody after the event to talk to them? Can I meet with a professor at a local university, even a, you know, a Zoom call or something, and say, I'm going to extend my learning by talking to some adult about it. So I'm thinking about what are all these different pathways that kids could be engaging with adults as part of the curriculum, as part of their learning, so that they could start developing these skills that have served you so well. Yeah, I think it's the right time between, you know, like TED Talks and, and, you know, Zoom calls. And and again, you know, if you reach out to people, I mean, most of the time, they'll they'll say, yeah, we'll definitely do that. Uh, We've got an intern that I'm working with, and he was like, I'm a little uncomfortable talking with people. And, and, And my friend, unsolicited, said, hey, in the meeting goes, if you don't do this, and if you don't take advantage of this, your internship will be a failure. Wow. And so I, I talked to, I talked to the kid afterwards and he was like, wow, I didn't realize that. Cause he said, I, I'm thinking I'm bothering people. I'm taking up their time. And he said, if you're taking up people's time, then they're not the right person to give you advice. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, and the thing is, as you start doing this, as this intern and, or our <laughs> students start like engaging with adults and start developing this comfort, one of the things they start to realize is hey, this is a powerful tool I can use. Like if I meet somebody who's in the field I'm interested in, I may have the confidence to say, hey, would you be willing to have coffee? I want to learn more about this job. Or would it be possible for me to come in and see your work? 
those kind of invitations, once you develop the confidence in talking to adults, you have like the key to open all kinds of doors for yourself down the road. Right. And I think that becomes the situation where all of a sudden you then control your destiny. Yeah. I love what you say about controlling your own destiny. I think one of the things as the program director at Mosaic for all the years I did that, Mm. we used to call it the hidden curriculum. Part of our hidden curriculum was we wanted to teach kids to engage with adults because they would then have the key to open all kinds of doors for themselves. And I think when you think about the way that schools are organized, we have these kind of core subjects and everyone's teaching their courses, but then there's these broader skills that sometimes transcend the particular subject areas. And this is one of the most important ones is learning how to engage with adults, how to seek out opportunities, and then how to have the confidence to then make things happen for yourself. Yeah. And I think one of the things too, is just, it's not only just the confidence, but just not feeling like I'm embarrassed because I might say something wrong because I think we get in this whole like, oh my goodness, you know, am I going to get called out because I didn't know this? And I think once people, you know, say, hey, adults are like, I understand. I didn't know a lot of stuff either when I was young, right? I think kids don't realize that they have a superpower. A lot of times kids will have that story in their head like, well, I'm just a kid. Nobody cares what I have to say. But the truth is most adults are particularly interested. You know, if you get, if, if, if an adult says to you, hey, Brian, can I have some of your time? You're like, okay, maybe. If a kid says, can I have some of your time? You're like, absolutely. Yes. Uh, you know, most adults really, when a kid shows an interest, they take an extra interest in kids. When a kid speaks up, So I think sometimes engaging kids and using their voice and in connecting in these kind of situations, kids don't realize how absolutely interested adults are in supporting a kid who's showing up like that. You want to make certain that if a kid comes to you, you're giving them the best information they have because you want to see them succeed. And all of a sudden you want to look up and say, because somebody called me and said, hey, do you know those kids from there that was speaking? I'm like, yes, I do. And they're like, oh my goodness, they were so powerful. Can I have them come to talk with me? I'm like, yeah, let me, let me kind of connect them. And I remember somebody was like, oh my goodness, thank you, Brian. They were amazing. And I said, yes, they are. I said, they blow me away of like the work they're doing and the things they're doing. But it was the excitement that I had that I was like, hey, I even know these connections. Hey, I seen these kids in the paper. And, and, you know, I had a small smidgen of effort to do that. And that made me so excited. Even as kids approach college, there are so many opportunities at college, but some of them also require that ability to talk to adults. So you may, for example, be on a college campus and you may walk by a building and it may say the culture center. Most kids are going to walk past that. But a kid who has confidence may say, I wonder what the culture center is. I'm going to walk in and ask someone. If you have that experience and that confidence, you may walk into that center and say, hey, what what kind of things do you guys do here? And it may open all kinds of doors for you. But you would never do that unless you had the experience and the confidence talking to adults that you didn't feel like, I'm not going in there. That's weird. Yeah. On top of it, it has that, that confidence to talk to a professor. And say, hey, you know, because again, the professors always will say, at least my friends say, you know, we have these office hours and no one comes, right? But having that confidence to say, well, how did you get this? Is this something that I want to do? You know, should I go and get extra degrees to become a professor? You know, what can you tell about the work life that maybe you did outside of teaching? And, you know, open up that door. And again, it might be like, wow, that's not something I want to do. Or, wow, you know, that's something that, you know, really excites me. Can you tell me more? And so you get that confidence to talk versus this is the professor and it's a teacher. And, you know, unless my grades are starting to go bad, I don't really want to talk to them. Right, exactly. Not that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or they're going to call me and have that conversation. (laughs) You want to initiate the conversation. You don't want the teacher to call you in. 
So I think that's an interesting challenge for us in education to think about is how do we expand the number of opportunities we can give kids to engage with adults who are not the teacher or not their coach, community members, people in the business community, people in the fields of study, scientific researchers, professors. And each one of those interactions that we create for a student is just one more building block in their skill set that's going to give them the, the opportunity to take advantage of these kind of things that we're talking about. Absolutely. The other day we were just talking about, you know, growth and employees. And I said, one of the things is really key if, you know, you want to get up the kind of the corporate ladder is that you need to take leadership skills. And I said, because one of the times we do is we take the smartest person. They're really smart. They're really brilliant. We're like, hey, we're going to make you a manager and a leader and a director. And next thing you know, they just don't have leadership skills. Brilliant. Understand the work backwards and forwards, but they don't know how to lead people. Right. And these people skills in the workforce are the most important things. I think that whatever happened in those few years of high school where you had all those opportunities to develop these skills that you've continued to cultivate throughout your life, they continue to show up both in terms of your ability to make friends and be connected with people, but also your ability to lead and to manage and to be a role model for a lot of young people in our community. And that, that's really a valuable contribution you make. And I'm always thinking, how do we get our kids to be more like Brian in that way? Well, I appreciate that. Well, Brian, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. It's, I always love talking with you yeah, every time. Yeah. We always are thinking about interesting things together, but also connecting with other people. The work you do in our community has been really invaluable. And I think the Bexley Minority Parents, as a great example, has really forwarded our community and, and our thinking. And um, the fact that you're such a connector and such a mentor, you've been a real gift to our community. So thank you for everything you do. And thank you for having this conversation with me today. Hey, appreciate it, Steve. And always appreciate uh, having a good conversation with you. To all my listeners, I want to thank you for being a part of Experience Matters. I'm excited to announce that recently, Experience Matters was named one of the top five experiential learning podcasts you must follow in 2021. My promise to you, lots more great episodes to come. Thanks for listening. Experience Matters is recorded in Bexley, Ohio, in the shadow of downtown Columbus. Our producer and sound engineer is Ezra Lewis, a junior at Bexley High School. Our killer theme music was written and performed by Isaac Rowe, a Bexley High School graduate and current music student at The Ohio State University. Experience Matters is supported by the Bexley Community Foundation and the Bexley Public Library. My name is Steve Shapiro, and you can look me up on Twitter at Stephen T. Shapiro or on my website at stephentshapiro.com. Here's a secret to life that I've shared with thousands of students and, of course, with my own children. There's no such thing as an interesting person there are just people who do interesting things. You can be one of them. All you have to do is seek out and say yes to new experiences.